there's going to be many more times where you're going to want to give up and just don't, don't keep pushing. Value yourself. Be proud of who you are. Emily Abadi here, coming to you from the AG studio. You are listening to Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. For episode 188, I am talking with Jenna Johnson Schmarkovsky. She's known by so many for her time on Dancing with the Stars, where she's been dancing since age 19. The show just finished its 30th season, and for it, Jenna was paired up with Jojo Siwa, making the duo the first same-sex couple in the show's history. We talk about how that came to be, plus how she got to be a pro on the show in the first place, growing up dancing competitively, winning international titles, and even making an appearance on So You Think You Can Dance after moving to LA and foregoing college at 18 years old. She also talks to me about the difficulties she's faced as she's gained a following on social media, especially how difficult it was when other people started to vocalize how they felt about her body. Cue conversations about body dysmorphia, weight loss, and the creative outlet aside from dance that helped her come into her own and cope with her mental struggles. Plus, we rap about her husband Val, what's on deck for her now that season 30 is over, and so much more. Loved this conversation and so, so amped to bring it to the Hurdle feed. If you are home this week and want to get down with some goal-setting work, I've got you. I'm hosting a goal setting workshop this Tuesday night, and there are a few spots left. I would love to have you join us. The link to get into that is in the show notes. Use the code grateful at checkout for 10% off. Again, head on over to the show notes to snag your spot for this week's goal setting workshop. 2022 is on deck and we have got some big things to go after. Make sure you're following along with the show over on social. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And if you haven't done so yet today, share the show with a friend, a family member, tag the show on social, share your love for Hurdle with the greater community. It means the absolute world to me. And while you are giving the gift of kindness <laughs> to Hurdle to me, Make sure to head on over into Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast to rate and review the show. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Jenna Johnson Schmarkovsky. She is a Dancing with the Stars pro, a unbelievable dancer. How are you doing today, Jen? I am great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. I'm so happy for you to be here. I, I have to give you kudos because you have recently done something that I have wanted to do for a long time, but haven't been able to find the courage to do. Okay. You went with a little hair chop. <gasps> Yes, I did. 
are you like, are you happy with the decision? Did you think twice about the decision? Was it hard to make the decision? Here's the thing. For many years, here she is. We went with a blunt cut. I love her. So here's the thing. I had short hair for a while and I loved it. And I was, I just felt so sassy and free. And I was like, you know what? This is such, such a fun hairstyle. It's so much easier than long hair. Then during COVID, I was like, oh, I'm going to grow it out. I love, I mean, like, look at your hair. I love people with long hair. It just looks so like sexy and gorgeous. Um, so I had it for a while. And then I was like in this whole like happiness phase where I was really trying to put my mental health first. And I was listening to all these audiobooks. And in one of my books, it said, you know, like when you're going through a change or when you want just like a fresh start, you should do something drastic. And one of the options was chop off your hair. And I was like, you know what? It's time. I have a lot of energy and baggage, even just like through the past two years of like COVID and all of this stuff attached to my hair. And I was like, this will be a great refresh, a restart. So it was so scary. I waited until after the season of Dancing with the Stars, but I chopped it and it was freeing. I mean, I was like panicking because I gotten so used to my long hair and I loved it, but I definitely feel more like myself. So, <laughs> all right. Maybe you're giving me the confidence I need to yes. go about doing a similar change. I started working with a new hairstylist not all that long ago, and she told me that she gets at least three cuts with me. And I thought cut number two was going to be the one where we did something like you did and went a little bit shorter. But then we were thinking about like the winter and how like, yeah, you know, just, you have always to an excuse, right? I know. I know. And I knew that. I set this date and I was like, I know that if I cancel on this or if I don't commit, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to chicken out. But my hairdresser, his name's Bradley Leak. He really held me accountable and he knew I wanted to do it. And he's like, like, we just got to do it. I mean, you mentioned obviously the last two years certainly being a little bit challenging to say the least. I am sure that everyone listening to this can certainly agree with you. When you think about the last two years, what would you say was probably one of the biggest surprise word here hurdles that you had to navigate uh, going through that difficult time? I am a performer and I've known this. That wasn't a surprise to me. But I never knew the impact or the value that having a live audience could do for me as an artist and a performer. And it's crazy. I mean, again, there are like little silver linings and everything, because on the flip side, I then had to find how to be fulfilled by myself and by my inner circle and not have to rely on like people's validation or energy, cheers, applauses, words of affirmations to keep me content and happy. But I, that was, and it was shocking because I never knew how much that that would mean to me. And it really was hard not being able to be in theaters or public settings. We were, we were on the Dancing with the Stars tour when COVID hit and, um, you know, we were, we had, I think, about four more weeks left of shows, which is essentially a show every day, you know? And so that I felt like that got cut short. And then even during the season of 2020, we didn't have a live audience. Um, no one was allowed inside. And it's just, it was crazy. Like, that really left uh, an emptiness in my heart. 
Um, but again, you know, like it was a nice wake up call of like, you need to find other ways to be fulfilled and not have to rely on this. But I think that was a big, big hurdle for me and a real eye opening experience. Hearing this, so many can certainly relate with this idea of needing to become like maybe just a little bit more self-reliant, right? It was like we got to this place over the last 18 months, 20 months, two years now where it was like, I need to take ownership and be responsible for my own joy. Yes, which was another huge moment because I think that I find a lot of joy and um I just feel more content and when I'm working, when I'm constantly busy, when I have a chaotic schedule, I feel like, oh, I'm accomplishing things. Um, and so to go so drastically nothing, it was really hard to be like, who am I other than a dancer? Yeah. What do I have to offer to this world? Like, you know, and so it was, again, little silver linings, trying to make the best out of the situation. I had to find out, A, what my hobbies were. I didn't even really have hobbies because I've just been in so work mode since I was about like 15. Um, what brings me joy? What I need in life, what I don't. Um, and how to be happy living at home, being a wifey, being a dog mom, you know, there were all these things that I started to so enjoy and love, which I don't think I would have had those if COVID didn't happen. But right. yeah, it was a lot like that. I just remember specifically that moment of like, what do I have to offer the world other than being a dancer and a performer? Like who, you know, who is Jenna? the biggest identity moment for all of us, like asking ourselves so many of the important questions that you articulated. You also mentioned starting dance, you know, at a young age. I know actually before 15, talk to me a little bit about that beginning phase and how you fell in love with dance because spoiler alert, you knew from a young age that you wanted to do this for a very long time. I started dancing when I was three years old. And I have two older sisters who were also dancers. And so my mom would take them to the dance studio and I would just beg and cry. Can I please go into dance class with them? And she said, I would just like watch in the window so eagerly. Um, so I just, I've always been infatuated with it. Um, again, I keep saying this word. I don't want it to be repetitive, but I think that I have been a performer my whole life. Even at family gatherings, I would want to get up and sing or dance or like act in front of everyone, always putting on a show. Um, and so I just, I really dove headfirst into it. I, and I said this, but I didn't have much of a social life because I just was so invested and clearly knew from a young age that this is what I want to do. I don't know how, I don't know what this entails, what I'm going to be doing. Because again, Dancing with the Stars didn't really start until I was, what, 12? I'm going to really age some people and myself. But, you know, and it was kind of just like, oh, this is a, this is a one-time thing. This isn't going to be able to last. And so for my parents, you know, like dancing as a career choice, I'm the first kid in my family to not go to college. Um, and I knew that that was huge. I, I'm one of six. And so that was, you know, a real big, like, leap of faith moment for myself, but also for my parents. But they just 
believed in me and I believed in myself so confidently. I don't know why or how, but I just knew that this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. And this is all I want to do. Talk to me about one of the biggest lessons that being in such a big family taught you from the get-go. I love that being one of six, I immediately had five best friends. And my husband jokes with me now because he's like, you're the most antisocial person in the world. And I'm like, because I already have five best friends. Like, I don't need a bunch of other people in my life because I have my circle. I think something that also really was a benefit of being one of six was having to be independent. You know, all of us were heavily active in um, extracurricular activities, in sports. Athletics is a really big part of my family. And so my mom couldn't just focus on packing my bag, having to do this for me. I was traveling by myself with my partner. We would go to ballroom competitions when I was like 16 years old. And I would be navigating the airport for him. I mean, again, my partner had no idea what he was doing, but I was like, this is our terminal and we need to check in here. Like, you know, and it was awesome. And I love that I got to be so free and independent at a young age and to take ownership of that. Um, I have to deal with now the back end of it, of like having to trust people a bit more, having to be more social. And yeah. As you said, having to find that independence, but also being so content, being surrounded by so much love and support. I would imagine that the decision to forego college was probably a little bit scary. It was because I don't want to say it was the easy route for me to take, um, to just follow in all of my siblings' footsteps and in my parents' footsteps. Um, I knew that that would be a safe option, that this is what my life would look like if I do this, potentially. But I knew that I wouldn't be happy. I love school. I love learning. But in a sense, I felt like I kind of got my college experience by moving to LA when I was 18, having six roommates at one time, moving from apartment to apartment. I fended for myself since I was 18 years old, you know, so it was a really amazing experience that I would never trade. And I feel like that also forced me to figure out who I am really quickly to know what I value, what I believe in, what I want to do with my life. I had to hustle. And I'm really grateful that I did. I chose the path that I did. But there's a part of me too that looks back and, you know, like my siblings have college roommates that they're lifelong friends with. And I'm like, oh, that would have been so fun, you know, or have these these discussions about what the college life was like. But I, I think I had that too. You know, my cast of Dancing with Stars are essentially my college roommates. We went on seven tours together, living on a bus in bunk beds, you know. So those are also experiences that they would never have or they've never right. had, you know. So yeah, pros and cons to both. But yeah, it was it was very scary making that decision and especially graduating high school and all of my friends were getting accepted into colleges. And I, I applied to many different colleges, but I just, I ultimately knew that I just wanted to move to LA. And then at 18, also, that's exactly when you auditioned for So You Think You Can Dance. So yeah. talk to me about what it was like to be 18, fresh into LA, and you were like, all right, I guess it's time to go on this kind of national stage here. <laughs> Oh, man, I wish I could go back in time so many times and just like redo that phase of my life. But 
it was also, I have so much to be grateful for, for that show, because it is really what got me exposed to so many different people, producers. I ultimately got hired from dancing with, or by dancing with the stars from that show anyway, but I had never been on TV before. I had never performed on TV before. And so performing for a live audience and for then like the screen with a red dot saying we're live was very different. It also happened to be at the same time that social media popped off. And I remember because I was a contestant on the show, they got us Instagram handles and Twitter handles. I'd never really heard of either platforms before. And then was kind of like, forced into, you need a post about this because you need people to vote for you. You need people to like you. You need to get people engaged with you. And this is true. I ended up being, the way So You Think You Can Dance works, there's top 20. You all compete. You do duets. It ends up that there's like a bottom two for both boys and girls. So there's a bottom two of boys and girls, every show, every episode. And then at that time, the show was having the judges and the audience or the choreographers save one person that they would let go back into the next week and compete. I was in the bottom two five times. I hold the record of safety can dance contestants that has been in the bottom the most times. And I, you know what, I'll proudly take it. And I remember that this, I was so devastated and confused why people didn't like me. And I thought that this, meant that people didn't like me as a dancer, that I wasn't good at dancing, that people didn't like my personality. And it really started to affect my mental health. And like, and I then was, you know, trying my hardest to work as hard in these dances. But every time, these five times, the judges and the choreographers kept saving me because they knew what kind of work ethic I had. They knew me as a person. And I was just so grateful that they kept saving me. But it was the first time that I then was confronted with this like social media, just, uh, haters, fan bases, you know, it was, it was a lot to try to process all at the same time. And I'll never forget the executive producer of that show. His name's Jeff Thacker. He pulled me aside and he's like, listen, people don't vote you off of this show. They vote you on. So you just need to shift your perspective and your mindset of like, nobody's voting you off or to be in the bottom two. You just might not be getting as many votes as some other people. And that, that did help me. Um, but yeah, I think that I wasn't the best version of myself when I was doing So You Think You Can Dance. And so that's why I said I wish I could go back into time because I wish I could mentally be better because I think I would enjoy the experience more. I wouldn't care as much as what people thought or what people had to say. But I was trying to navigate this new internet space and then, you know, I had been a really accomplished dancer. I was winning titles. I was getting all of the accolades that you could get. I was beating a lot of my peers that were on the show in the dance world, you know, or in the convention competition world. And then I just felt like I shrank into this like tiny bitty dancer that, uh, anyway, it was such an incredible experience, but I just wish I was a better version of myself at the time or knew yeah. how to handle it. So. Yeah, I think a lot of people can totally hear you on this note that social media can be entirely overwhelming, especially, you know, being thrown into it, having all of this exposure. I know that that struggle kind of continued for you yeah. as you transitioned into being on Dancing with the Stars. So how did you 
continue to cope with that as you just kept getting more and more of a following? Yeah, it really, it really ruined me for a little bit. And I unfortunately had to publicly, I mean, again, I had this now platform once I joined Dancing with the Stars and I was excited about it. But then I think that I let people get the best of me and I focused too much on people's comments or what they had to say. And I ended up going through this like big body transformation. I had a lot of hormonal imbalances. I gained a ton of weight. I was really unhappy. Um, and this is, I think the first time as well in my life where I was confronted with like mental, my mental health and maybe something's wrong, or maybe I have an imbalance going on. And I had to go through this whole public transformation in front of people, you know, and then I also was involved with somebody on the show and then people would then intertwine those, you know? And so they would say, I wasn't good enough or skinny enough, or I was too fat to be with this person. You know, it was just like wild. I would get people screenshotting paparazzi photos of like the worst photos of me and would post it and like, tag all of my peers in it, tag Val in it, like tag my family in it. It was insane. And it, it ruined me for a while. And my family didn't really know what to do because they weren't in Hollywood whatsoever. They also weren't really in social media. So they didn't know how to help me in this. Um, but I am so grateful for, I ended up getting some help through therapy, but I also am so grateful for my in-laws. Um, my, my now in-laws, but Max, Peta, and Val, you know, they had a couple more years of experience on the show and being in this public setting and having to deal with a relationship publicly or just, you know, fan bases in general and the show and the audience of Dancing with the Stars. They're really, really passionate. They care a ton. Um, and they helped guide me through and they were my support system during that time. And I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful that I had that. Um, and even now, you know, it's, I think our family is a wild, it's crazy that there's been four of us on a hit television show, and in the public eye. And I love that we have each other to turn to because there's so many moments that, you know, as much as my family can understand, they'll just never understand. So it's, it's been amazing to have their, their support and guidance. I love the positive spin on the phrasing that the audience uh, is so passionate. <laughs> they they so are. Passionate. And, you know, I once I started to figure out my own health and my mental space and I got really confident um, just of who I was and what I had to offer, I think then there was a really big shift of how I saw the audience how I saw my followers, how I viewed social media, and what was a priority and what wasn't. And now I have a really beautiful, positive experience with social media. I mean, again, I get haters all the time, but their effect and their voice isn't as loud, doesn't have an impact on me. Um, and I think also a huge con contributor to that mindset is my husband. He, one of his best qualities, he doesn't care what people think. He cares what certain people think um, and values 
like his family, you know, his friends, what they think. But he doesn't for one second dwell on what anybody that is a stranger has to think about him. He just doesn't. And I love that. And that's been something that I've had to learn and really, really work on. But it's it's benefited me a ton. Yeah, I think what's that saying? It's like, don't uh, take anyone's opinion to like seriously who you wouldn't look to for advice. Or who you're going to call when something is going wrong, you know? Right. Yeah. Like those are the people that you need to turn to. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And if you don't mind me asking, I mean, you said that uh, it ruined you. So the first part of this question is, do you remember like some of the things that you would read? Absolutely. They'll never go away in my brain, uh, which yeah. is terrible and sad. And then really shows me the effects of sh- social media, especially for this younger generation. And ugh, I want to protect at all costs. Um, yeah, I remember there was an account that was made. I mean, multiple accounts, but one of them was Piggy Jenna, like P-I-G-G-Y. And they would just post like really bad photos of me looking super heavy, super overweight and unflattering and just, just terrible. Um, I used to also screenshot com or like DMs. I get nasty DMs all the time. Um, but yeah, one was like, I think I even reposted it, but it was like, you know, that Val would have never married you if you were still fat. I was just like, are people psychotic? And it's funny too, because in my mind, even my worst enemy, I don't have a ton, but even somebody that I just like loathe. I would never in my right mind or at any phase in my life be like, I'm going to write this to them. This is what I'm going to do. This is really, what does it do for you? How does it help you? So then I started to also change my perspective of, I feel really bad for these people that must be this miserable, that they have the time, the energy and feel comfortable doing this. Yep. Because that's the takeaway here because it isn't about you. It's not like this hate and anger. It's about something that's more often than not going on in their life. And so they're projecting that on somebody else. Yes, that's what it was. And so I had to learn that, which was hard and took some time. But again, silver linings, I'm all about this. This phase really ignited something inside of me and just my nature in general. I'm incredibly competitive. Uh, I'm super stubborn. And when somebody tells me I can't do something or I shouldn't, I'm going to just do it or I'm going to prove them wrong. That's, that's always been my mentality. Um, And so this kind of, you know, I had a moment of it completely broke me, but then it ignited something and I started to get healthy from the inside out, starting with my mind then kind of transforming into my body, which was just like a trickle effect. But I ended up, I was so, and then I started sharing this on social media. I wanted to be real. I didn't want to hide what I was going through. I wanted to be open. And the response was insane. I got thousands of messages thanking me and being like, I'm going through this too. Or I know somebody that also went through this, like, thanks for being real. And so I decided to launch a blog. It was like a a well-being blog and it was called Get Real with Jen. And it was so fulfilling. I would do these blog posts on just being honest and open, anything and everything from 
uh, spirituality to what I was eating in my nutrition to workouts I was doing or like a really anxiety, depression, depression filled day that I was having. And I just received the most beautiful, encouraging messages every day. And it, I don't think I would have had this moment unless I went through that bad, that bad phase, you know, and to be right. broken down, but you have to be broken down to then find yourself. I feel like, you know, that's the journey yeah. of life. And so I'm so grateful that I did have that moment and I started this blog and then it just, from then on kind of kept my intention clear in my brain of like, from now on, I'm not going to try to be picture perfect, but I'm going to be real. I'm going to be open. Um, and that's the kind of relationship I want to have with my fans, my followers, you know, my audience, whatever, and anything I do in my performing and my social media posts, whatever. What, uh, what happened to the blog? The blog was the best thing ever, but my sister and my, my sister and I were actually running it. We were doing everything from like backend website, all of that jazz. And it just became a little bit too overwhelming at the time. I was on tour with Dancing with the Stars and then the season picked up and it just kind of dwindled away. Um, but it is something that I definitely would love to revisit because when I look back at powerful moments in my life, career or personally, that is a moment that sticks out to me of like the best thing I've ever done. So I'd love hopefully to, I need to get a team involved, um, but I would love to reboot that and start that again. If anybody's listening, Jenna's looking for some web people. <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> you know how to find her. <laughs> yeah. You know how to find her. The one last thing I do want to ask you about this difficult time for you. You mentioned uh, the upswing from that uh, having been at such a low point. I think a lot of people get to this low point and just feel truly so stuck. And for some, that stuck feeling lasts for a while. For some, it doesn't last so long. Yeah. What would you credit aside from maybe you mentioned the benefit of having such a close family relationship, such close personal relationships, but what else would you credit with helping to pull you out of that darker place? Yeah. I mean, again, when you are that zero, you know, you have two options. You can remain there or you can get out of it. You ha you're at the worst that you've gotten. So there's not a lot lower that you can get, but I'm real. I think again, it attributes to that independence I had from childhood of, I had to be the one to pull myself out of it. It couldn't be anybody else. And I think that I had a lot of people I could turn to and ask for help. That was never a doubt in my mind. But I think at the end of the day, I had to make a decision of you're either going to do this or you're not. And once I made that decision in my brain, it, it just switched everything for me. And again, there were times where it was hard and where I just wanted to like, go back into like, oh, this is too much. But I'm, I'm really grateful for, I think my own willpower and something that just, I've always been really driven and really competitive. And I, I think I treated it more of like a game, not a game, but like a competition with myself. Like, how can I get there? Can I do it the best ever and remain strong through it all? So I, I have to give myself some credit. You know what? 
we don't give ourselves credit enough. But I do feel like I have to give my own willpower some credit in that moment. But again, for those of you that maybe don't have that sort of brain mind power, I think surround yourself by people that do, um, that are right. going to motivate you, that are going to inspire you, that are going to push you, that are going to be honest with you. Ugh, honesty is the best policy in my book. And I just appreciate those people that are blunt and like, listen, get out of this, do, do the work, do what you need to do. But like, you've got to, you've got to just do it. Yeah. And I do think that sometimes it is at that rock bottom place. It's in these really emotional moments where like, we're able to have that level of like unfiltered honesty with ourselves. I mean, there have been so many different big moments in my life where I've been sitting somewhere like in tears, whether it be about how I feel about my body or uh, getting out of a relationship or dealing with things when it comes to business and making difficult decisions. And it is in each of these like really difficult, like what feel like rock bottom moments that something so beautiful is born. And so, you know, they always say it's like, you don't like learn things from like smooth sailing, right? You don't no. learn a ton when you're like on the top winning. You learn a ton when you're like trudging through the thick of it, going through the mud. Absolutely. And it's, it's funny because my mom will always say to me too, she's like, I feel like these are like your little challenges in life where you're given a moment where you determine the outcome. And it's up to you. And I think that that has been, I've, I've found myself in these moments where I'm like, why is this happening to me? This isn't happening to anyone else. But I think that that's where I really define who I am as, as a human and what I want my legacy to be or what I want other people to be able to relate to or be inspired by. But yeah, it, it, it sucks being in that place. And I've been there many times, but the upside is so worth it. Do you remember, because I kind of think that we all have these moments that feel a little bit like a movie, but was there like a moment or um, perhaps like an event after like you were on this upswing when you like started to really feel like you had your feet under you and you were like, I am so damn proud of myself here. Yeah, I think starting my blog was one of those moments. I was proud of myself for the first time in a minute. And again, even now, I feel like I'm so happy and confident in my body, but I still have body dysmorphia. You know, there's still moments where I look at myself and I'm like, oh, oh, which is crazy. You know, so I don't think you're ever going to get rid of those. But I think like checking yourself and having those moments of proud pride of like how far I've come. And I think my blog, when I decided to do that, I held myself accountable and I was just open and honest. It was, it was a real moment of like, aha, uh -huh, this is, this is, this is why this happened. This is worth it. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsors. First up. Element. Element is a science-backed electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. In terms of formulation and ingredients, Element keeps it simple, giving the perfect ratio of electrolytes while cutting out sugars, fillers, gluten, or other dodgy ingredients. I personally love to recharge with a serving of their watermelon salt flavor after my long runs, but they have literally a flavor, a taste for every single person, ranging from citrus and 
raspberry to orange or chocolate or even unflavored, if that's your thing. Now, good news is that you can try all of the flavors with this special offer exclusive to Hurdle listeners. Head on over to drinkelement.com. That's drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get a free Element sample pack today. All you've got to do is pay $5 shipping. Again, for Hurdle listeners, head on over to drinkelement.com slash hurdle. That's drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to claim this deal today. Also want to give some love to my friends at Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is a truly personalized nutrition and performance system. Their mission is to help people add years to their lives and life to their years by optimizing their bodies from the inside out. Now, the question is, how do they do that? Well, by analyzing your body's data through a simple blood draw, a DNA swab, and information from your fitness wearables, Inside Tracker can then give you a crystal clear picture of what's going on on inside of you, along with a science-backed action plan for improving your health and becoming your best self. Both of which I think it's safe to say we can all get on board with, especially at the turn of a new year. Of course, Inside Tracker has an awesome deal for you. Get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store by heading to insidetracker.com/hurdle. Again, head on over to insidetracker.com/hurdle to get 25% off the entire store. No code necessary. Your, your moment sounds shiny and wonderful. I'll never forget. I felt like I was like in an episode of Girls, but I was walking. I'd like just gotten off the subway. I live in Brooklyn. I was in Williamsburg. I was meeting friends at like Brooklyn Bowl. I was like probably like five weeks post breakup with this guy that like I thought was going to be my husband. And I just got out of the subway and the song Bulletproof came on. I don't know if Heck you remember yeah. the song. Of but it was course. like this kind of, yep. That came on and I had like heels on and I was like walking by this park and I was like, I'm going to be okay. I love that for you. You know what? Music is so powerful. First of all, I, it's funny because I, when I'm going through certain phases in my life, I have like playlists that I'll just put on repeat. And so it's funny because then I'll revisit them and I'm like, oh, this is what I was going through. So yes, bulletproof. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think all of my moments were have been as shiny as that. But I also, I remember too, you know, when I decided to make this, I also was going through a breakup. And I remember that once I decided to prioritize myself and to make myself happy, I started attracting all sorts of people, whether it was friends, relationships, ex-lovers, whatever. It was crazy. It was like I was just beaming from like my heart center out and then people were just attracted to me. Yeah. And so I think that that's also something to remember. I think we we feel like we always need to rely on other people or relationships to make us happy. But I'm I promise you it starts with you and once you do the work and you find your own happiness and are content and rely on yourself you'll be surprised what then happens to you, you know? And it's so beautiful to like see that moment happen and like watch other people shine, right? Like I have another girlfriend who got out of like a devastating breakup. I was with her like, you know, on the kitchen floor crying, bringing her milk bar. Like it was so sad to see her 
so low. And now it's comical. I have been single living in New York for four years. I'm very content with my life. I'm so good. But every other day, she somehow now meets someone on the street that asks her out. It is literally miraculous. And I told her, I was like, it is because you are now like getting to a place where you are so good as you are that you're beaming. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, like I'm grateful for these breakup moments or these down moments because I was there for myself. You know, like you are, (laughs) you have to take care of this being that you're in because this is going to be with you for the rest of your life. You know, and so I think that I had neglected that for so long, mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever, and all the faces that I've been in. And the second that I made myself a priority, everything else fell into place. It felt like, you know, definitely. I do want to touch on what you said about still having body dysmorphia, because I actually think that that's like a really valuable and important topic for us just to give some air to in that um, from the outside looking in, and I'm sure you hear this all the time and I'm there's, it's not lost on me that I, I'm sure you have so many messages from women who feel like you from one person who may see you looking at your Instagram, this like slender woman, like how could you ever feel any sort of way about your body that doesn't discredit the way that you may feel and the journey that you're on. So talk to me a little bit about how that relationship has ebbed and flowed over time. Absolutely. And it's funny because even in the past two years, you know, I went for so long from being like, you're too fat, you're hideous, you're ugly, you shouldn't be on TV because you're too big, all this stuff. To now, it's I'm being skinny shamed, you're too skinny, you should go eat a hamburger, you look like bones, like, I can see your ribs. It's just no one's ever going to be happy for you if they're happy unhappy with themselves. So whatever. But, you know, I, I love where my body's at. And I'm proud of the work that I put into it. I do. It's a real big priority for me. And I'm constantly changing the way that I work out. And I just love it. Like fitness is a huge part of my happiness. I know it. But it is not, it would be impossible for me to have a whole year without looking at myself in the mirror and being like, this is, this is not good enough. Like, Oh, like I'm always going to have to deal with that, which is fine. But I think recognizing it, knowing how to disengage those triggers, how to move through it, how to then be like, you know what, this is a moment I'm going to look at myself and I'm going to tell myself I love myself and I'm proud of you. You know, I think it's just having to be honest and check yourself. But yeah, I I do agree that like, I do promote a ton of fitness also on my social media. And I do give off the image of like, oh, she's in such great shape. That's amazing. And I I, I think people that will message me about it, whatever, ask me what workouts I do, what my nutrition is, you know. Um, But yeah, I want to be completely transparent. And I have days where I feel fat or bloated or too skinny or like I'm not good enough or I don't have like a sexy curvy woman figure that I know is a big fad right now you know that's just not me so I I am constantly confronted by these insecurities but I think that again I'm just proud of how far I've come and I do love my body so it's just remembering that and telling yourself that 
you're like essentially articulating like what is body acceptance, right? It's like, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have days where you look in the mirror and you don't think like, man, I look so great right now. Like that's yeah. not every day, no. but it's knowing that like, you're going to have these bad moments. And the best thing that you can do is try to create this inner dialogue of positivity. Like that is completely up to you, which leads me to the next question that I want to ask you in these moments where you are kind of like being your own biggest critic, how do you get to that place where you're capable of flipping the script? So I just read this book recently and it was talking about intrusive thoughts and how I think we think that we need to just completely exclude intrusive negative thoughts. That's not going to happen. You're going to complete, you're going to always have these negative thoughts enter your brain but it's your reaction to it of then changing the way that you think of that intrusive thought. So for example, my boobies, I have like little boy boobs. They're just so <laughs> tiny and small. And I wish that they were like a little bit perkier or a little bit more voluptuous. And so that's the thing for me. Like when I look in the mirror, I'm like, I wish I had freaking cleavage, like just to give me a sliver of cleavage. But then Instead of dwelling on that and picking that apart, I'll be like, but my butt is getting bigger and I've worked really hard on my squats. You know what I mean? And so like, I, I just have to acknowledge that negative, but then find two positives um, to cancel it out essentially. So yeah, whenever there's a negative, I try to cancel it out with two positives. Um, but yeah, that's, that's something that I've been working on. And I always love when you're doing this exercise and it's like, tell me two to three things that you love about yourself. And like only one of them can be a physical attribute. And sometimes when I do this uh, in some of the sessions that I lead for the community, a lot of women actually have a hard time articulating the physical attribute. And I almost challenge them to like pick kind of an odd one. Like what is the oddest thing about yourself? Maybe the most like off the beaten path thing that you would say that like you love. Like, okay, I'll go first. So for me, I don't know when this like became something that I became highly aware of and they're covered up as you and I are talking right here, but I love my collarbones. I think they are outstanding. Yo, a collarbone is so sexy. Like when, you know <laughs> what I mean? It's just like really elegant and beautiful. And I think a body part that doesn't get recognized enough. All right, but what's yours? Oh, I, for sure, I would say my back. Um, this is silly, but like, I love a low back moment always, but I have a natural arch and I just, yeah, I love it. I feel like it's a really feminine part of my body and something that I like to show off. <laughs> something that you like to show off. See, okay. We've got a collarbone. We've got a back. Yes. Everyone has like a little outside of the box part of their body that they can highlight. And I challenge everyone listening to this right now to ask themselves, what is mine. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, you know, we're always like, oh, my arms are too flabby. My legs are blah, blah, blah. But like, find those unique parts of you that you love and you want to show off or that you're proud of. Yeah. It's such a great, yeah. that's such a great exercise. Yeah. I love that. I got you. I'm here for you. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward a little bit. You've been on Dancing with the Stars for some time now. You're just coming off. What season is this for you? This is my 11th season on the show. Season number 11. Did yes. you ever think when you started at 19 that you would still be here 11 seasons later? No. Like, there are so many moments about the show that I'm like, what is my life right now? <laughs> but it's, 
been amazing. It's been a learning experience. And I feel like, especially recently in the recent years, I'm so grateful to have been able to create on the scale and to do what I love to do, but also I think reinvent myself as a choreographer, as a dancer, as a performer, as a student. It's just, it's been amazing. But yeah, we just ended season 30. Like the fact that this show has been on for 30 seasons, who knew people would love ballroom dancing and the concept (laughs) of pairing them with a celebrity, like wild. (laughs) But wild. I won't front with you. I've a hundred percent watched Dancing with the Stars probably more than any season actually this past season. I found yes. myself continually turning it on. But do you have, if you had to pick a favorite? Uh, all of my ex partners are gonna be so upset with me. Um <laughs> you know, I'll I'll be honest, you know, every season has like specific moments or things about my partner that I just adore and love and they've all been so unique and different I would say obviously a standout season was when I won season 26 with Adam Rippon um I think that that was such a moment for me just it really gave me the confidence of like you know what you're doing and you deserve this you know this wasn't a fluke and I think that was huge for me because I'd been on what they called the troop for many seasons um and I always felt like I was a behind the scenes. I wasn't good enough to be a pro. Um, but I feel like in that season, I really came to my own and I, I showed what I had to offer. And so I think that that, and then I obviously, you know, took home a mirror ball with Adam. So that was amazing. And then I think this past season with Jojo is a huge standout. Um, I'm somebody that loves to be comfortable and to not do things out of the norm. But this was a moment I just remember when I was approached about being dancing with a female. I I just was thinking about it and I was like, you know, I'm going to do many more seasons with a guy. I've done five seasons with a guy. Why not take this opportunity to do something different? To make a change, be the change, be the first ever and do something scary. You know, I think it was a really big moment for me internally that I needed this. I I, I needed this. I needed to do something outside the box. And I am so grateful I did. For those that aren't up to speed, you want to give just a little bit more context? Yeah, yeah. This all kind of played out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this season, um, season 30 on Dancing with the Stars, they decided to have the first ever same sex pairing. And I, it's funny because I remember the executives called me and they said, you know, we're going to, we're, we wanted to ask you one question. That's it. Like, we're going to make this brief. And I was like, okay, cool. And they were like, we're going to do something really exciting. We're going to have the first ever same sex pairing. And I was like, oh, sick. And for some reason, I just immediately thought it was going to be two guys. So I thought they were going to ask like my opinion on choreography or what I thought of the concept, you know, Hmm. whatever. And then they were like, it's going to be two females. And I was like, oh, I see where this is going. Um, And they straight up bluntly asked me, like, would you be willing to dance with a girl this season? Without hesitation, I said yes. Right. I just, I said yes. And then fear started to set in. We hung up the phone. 
And they just kept saying, you know, they were like, you, we just think you'd be the perfect person. You would be the perfect person for this moment. And I hung up the phone and I was just like, <gasps> what did I say yes to? Can I do this? Am I good enough? Do I know what I'm doing? I've never done this before. And I called my parents and again, you know, stressed about what is their reaction going to be? What is their reaction going to be? You know? And then, oh my goodness, I'm going to like, if I do this, I'm going to have to give this sentiment to everybody and be like, I'm dancing with a girl. Anyway, I called my parents and my dad was like a little bit shocked. And then he was like, you know, what an honor that they would think of you. And I was just like, whoa, you're right. What an honor that they would trust me with this. Like this is major breaking of barriers, you know, a huge step forward. And that was then the intention I had for the whole season of this is an honor. And then I met Jojo. I, I danced with those of you that didn't watch Dancing with the Stars season. I danced with Jojo Siwa. She's 18. She recently came out as gay this past year. Huge influencer, millions of followers. Um, and she's a child star. And a lot of her fan base are kids. And a huge wave of courage came from her. You know, I'm looking at this 18-year-old who's come out publicly and then had the courage to be the first ever same-sex pairing. And I was just like, if she can do this, I can do this. You know, I'm not going to have to deal with half the stuff that she has to deal with throughout her life, what she's already had to deal with. This is one little small moment, and I can do this. And I wanted to do it for her. She is a light. She is full of joy, full of strength, and I'm so proud of what we accomplished this season and what we were able to do. Every day was just an absolute dream come true working with her. Yeah, I interviewed Matt James during this season as well, and we talked about you know the six-hour dance practices and all the effort that goes in. So spending so much time with JoJo week after week, preparing not just for Mondays, but for so much more, what yeah. would you say one of the biggest takeaways was spending all of that time with her? Before this season, um, when I knew that she was on the show and I'd potentially be dancing with her, uh, I just remember everyone was giving me their opinions on her. Oh, she's loud. She's, she has so much energy. She's this, she's that. And I was just like, I had never met her before. And I was like, just let me figure it out for myself. I don't want to make any assumptions before I meet her. She is one of the smartest humans I've ever met. She is a straight up boss. She's also one of the hardest working people I've ever met, ever met. She's kind, she's humble. And, you know, she didn't need to necessarily do the show. And she did. And she approached it like it was the last day she was ever going to dance in her life. And I just, I can't even imagine, like, it makes me a little bit emotional, you know, like, I, I can't imagine my life without her in it. And without these past three months that we got to experience together. I'm really glad that we did have that good friendship. We had a real understanding of one another. And we had the same goal in mind. Yeah. And I think the takeaway of just being able to formulate your own opinion about someone is very important and something that maybe we don't like air out often enough, right? Like the value of not judging someone based just on what you see, whether it be on social media or what you hear from somebody else, but being able to 
make your own opinion and get to know them for who they are first. It's funny because <laughs> I I wish people would have that same approach with me even. I think that I'm really intense. I have really strong features. And I think a lot of people think that I'm really unapproachable. Um, that I mean, in a sense, I mean, I, I hope I don't give off that vibe. But you know what, taking a step back, I am really intense, but because I care about everything that I do, and I put my whole heart into everything. But yeah, I hope that I, I wish that people would give, give me that same benefit of the doubt, and not assume yeah. immediately from what they see or what they hear or what they think, or that I have a perfect life from my social media, you know what I mean? So yeah, but yeah, that was a really big thing for me that I learned. And that also came from Val, he was like, you need to meet her first before you make any assumptions or make any conclusions about how your season's going to go. Totally. Totally. Brought him up. We're going to talk about Val just for a second here. Uh, you got married in early 2019. Yeah. How has it been for you to be married as like you like literally just like came up together from like your entire relationship for everyone just to kind of witness from start until now? Yeah, it's been wild. Um, there are many times where I wish that we, that nobody knew us and that we just lived a regular life and could experience our relationship in private, you know, but it's also been really amazing to have the support and to have people get a witness our, I guess our love, our relationship flourish before their eyes. Yeah. He is by far the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm so it's funny because they say this, like love will hit you when you least expect it. And I was the only new person the season that I joined Dancing with the Stars on season 18. He was one of the first people that approached me and introduced me and made me feel welcomed into the cast. And I think that goes a long way. But yeah, it's been, there are pros and cons to working with your spouse, working with your loved one. And I'm really proud of the effort and the focus that we've put into it, because, you know, we don't have a ton of people that we can turn to and follow. Like, how does it work for you? You know, does this work? I tell my dad all the time, I'm like, can you imagine if mom had to come to one of your operations and sat there and just like gave her opinion and talked to you the whole time? Like, you'd probably be like, no, no, no. Um, so, you know, it's, it is a really interesting dynamic that we have, but to be able to share it together on such a large scale is is a dream come true. I have to tell you that you got married at like one of my favorite resorts ever. Terranea. It's so stunning. I've been there like I think two or three times. And every time I go, I'm just like, how does this place even exist? It's so funny because you're like, this does not exist in California. You feel like you're transported into a different universe. Totally. But yeah, when we were looking, when we were talking about venues and looking at venues, we knew we wanted to be near water. Water is huge for Val. He grew up um, near the water. But I, I didn't want it to be like a beach wedding where like we're barefoot, right. Contessa in the sand, frolicking. Like that's just not my vibe. Like I want a stiletto, <laughs> you know, but we wanted a gorgeous backdrop. So we saw a picture of Terranea and this couple was like on this rock in the middle of the water taking a photo. And I was like, this is it. Say no more. <laughs> we drove down and we saw it and it was straight magic. Perfect. So romantic. Perfect. Oh, that's the best. 
Yeah. Oh, the best. All right. Well, we're winding down here. We did uh, talk a lot today about first impressions and social media. If someone goes to your social media page right now, they'll see a woman nearing 800,000 followers, a Dancing with the Stars pro, you know, a So You Think You Can Dance all-star and mentor. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? I see, I see first a daughter. I think that is one of my proudest titles is being a daughter, a sister, a wife now. You know, those are always my main priorities before anything else externally. But I also see a dancer and I'm proud of that. And I lost a little bit of that love or that identity of, am I a dancer? Am I good enough to be a dancer? Is this what I want to do? I lost that for a little bit. And the second that I made the realization that this is who I am, it's made me happier than ever. And that's a, that's a title that I hold dearly. I will always have it a goal to connect and be relatable to people, uh, to be a voice, but also to be an ear to listen. Um, I love the relationship that I have with my, my followers, my audience. Um, it, it's really personal to me, to me, and I don't take it for granted. But yeah, I think that I know that I'm Jenna when I look in the mirror and I'm proud of her. I love her. Yeah. It's taken me a while to get there. And so I think in moments like this, like I'm, I'm, I feel confident saying that. What, uh, what else excites you right now? I'm excited because this is the first time in quite and probably five years that I'm not going on the dancing with the stars tour. And it was a really hard decision to not go because it is such a big part of our life, my life. Um, and has been, but we have a few projects coming up that I'm really, really excited about that I've been wanting to do for a long time and venture into other aspects of performing that I haven't had the time to do yet. So I'm really excited about that. I'm also really excited uh, to be home for the holidays and the first time in almost probably nine years wow. and just experience that. Being a real human is, is important and I can't wait. Okay. Right now, you have the chance to offer the Jenna who is at that rock bottom hurdle moment, a piece of advice looking back on that really difficult time right now. What do you tell her? You know, it's so cliche, but I would tell her to never give up. And, you know, I think I many times was so close to giving up or to just like throwing in the towel. And I'm so happy I didn't. And I would tell her, yeah, there's going to be many more times where you're going to want to give up and just don't, don't keep pushing. The quote, comparison is the thief of all joy. I would constantly tell her that. Yeah. And just value yourself. Be proud of who you are. Keep going. Jenna, thank you so much for your time today. This was like such a fun conversation. I'm so happy that we were able to have it. Thank you. Yes, me too. Thank you for having me. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you? Uh, give me all your details. Uh, keep up all things Jenna. Uh, you can go onto my Instagram, which is at Jenna Johnson. Super simple. Uh, and follow along. And follow along. I'm over at Hurdle Podcast and at Emily Abadi. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. 